Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Someone else making waves through the NFL news as to where they will be playing next year. Odell Beckham Jr., as we know, he didn't play last year due to a torn ACL. Um, reports were that he wants multi, a multi-year deal worth 15 to 20 million per year. He came out over the weekend and disputed this in a tweet saying, I'm just saying 4 million isn't enough. Um, saying he was confused where they were getting 20 from. What do we do with Odell? Interested or nah? Well, thanks for clearing things up, Odell. So now, Kayla, <laughs> we just know his asking price is somewhere in between four point one million dollars and nineteen point nine million dollars. <laughs> That's a nice tight range for us to operate with. <laughs> you know, Odell's interesting too because he hasn't played in a full year. You want to talk about injury concerns, those are real. The flip side of that is if you just compared him in a vacuum to the other free agent receivers this year, I mean, he's the best. Even with the injury concerns, you would take him over Juju. You would take him over Jacoby Myers. You would take him over Alan Lazard. Even at his age, even at his with his injury history, we saw him in the Super Bowl. This guy, much like we just talked about with DeAndre Hopkins, when healthy on the field, gets open at an incredible level. One thing I don't really hold against him is how things went in Cleveland. I mean, that was a train wreck with Baker Mayfield as as your quarterback and with Freddie Kitchens and Hugh Jackson. Like that was a that was a bad that was a bad stretch uh, there in Cleveland. So I don't really hold that against him. When he was in L.A., Kayla, he was really really good, and they didn't ask him to do very much. They just said, hey, run fade routes. Stafford's going to throw it up to you in the end zone. Go be Odell Beckham Jr. Make some crazy catches. And that's what they did. They also brought him in when they had Cooper Cup catching, what was it, 140 balls last year or two years ago. They set the NFL record for, like, he almost had a 2,000-yard season. So they weren't asking him to go and be a Superman. And I don't think the Chiefs would either, right? We know how the Chiefs offense is going to operate. Travis Kelsey's going to get his. You get in where you fit in. I think Odell Beckham Jr. would be a better version of what the Chiefs had with Juju Smith-Schuster. And before you even say, well, what about the injuries, right? What about the injuries with Juju? He's got, what, four concussions? Yeah. And he's got a knee He's got a knee history himself. So I think the, the biggest thing that we keep falling into and I keep hearing people talk about is anytime we talk about one of these receivers, DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham Jr., even with Juju, 
I hear a million reasons why the Chiefs shouldn't sign them. Injuries, overpaid, not good enough. Then what, if, if that's what your stance is, that this guy's not worth it, this guy's not worth it, this guy's not worth it, then what is your solution? Because you can't just sit there and say no, 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 no to every potential free agent and not have a counter plan. You can't just say, well, you got three receivers on the team right now. You got to add somebody. And as good as Patrick Mahomes is, I truly do believe he could win with anyone. Mm -hmm. Same. It's, it's not the worst idea to give him a little help though, right? Like maybe it's not you make get, it super hard. We know he can do it, but you know, it's like, it's not sweated out. <laughs> it's like you bought a Lamborghini. Would it kill you to get some tire shine on it? You know, <laughs> maybe get some, maybe put a wax coating on it. Maybe run it through the wash now and keep clean. Like we get it. The car is really fast, but you invested in something. Why don't you invest just a little bit more? That's where I'm at with the receivers. And you don't have a, a bad contract on this roster. The only guys you really paid right now are Mahomes, Kelsey, Chris Jones, and Joe Tooney. And now I guess you'd throw Jawan Taylor into the mix. That's probably the riskiest contract on the books because you took a guy who played right tackle in Jacksonville and you are asking him to pay, play left tackle. And we don't know how that's going to look. That's the riskiest deal on the books. You're, you're like, people always talk about risk. Like, oh, they want too much money. Oh, they, they, I'm not sure. They want too much compensation. You're allowed to make risky decisions in the NFL. That's not in like Brett. Brett Veach's job description is not, hey, take no risks. Only make safe moves. Only make moves that you 100% know are going to work out. It's not how it works. It's the same reason why he drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the first round two years ago. It didn't work out. It was a risky pick, but there was a reason behind making it. And you have to go into this understanding that your GM is not going to bat a thousand ever. Bill Belichick doesn't bat a thousand. Nobody does. Nobody in the NFL makes every correct transaction. But if you are in a position where you're trying to compete for Super Bowls and you are trying to add to this receiver room in a year where the options are pretty scarce, I think you could do a hell of a lot worse than going out and signing a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. Maybe it doesn't work out, right? Maybe you pay him $15 million and he shows up and the, the knee issue is, is still a problem, right? Maybe he's a shell of his former self. Maybe he's a jerk in the locker room, which is something else I've, I've heard thrown around, but I don't really get. Okay, well, that was my biggest thing. My concern with Odell Beckham Jr. is, is he does he play well with others? Is he a team player? Is he going to come in here and want to be the top wide receiver? And when he doesn't get enough looks and catches, he's going to pout and throw a fit like we saw he did in Cleveland. Um, that's my concern with him. I'll take DeAndre Hopkins any day. I'm good with Odell. So it's, it's purely the, like the locker room stuff with Odell that scares you off. Yeah. I don't want ego. Like that scares me. And we even heard Tyree kill in this season say one of the reasons he wanted to leave and take more money was because he didn't think he got the ball enough. What were we watching the same games? Yeah, I don't really know. I think Tyreek was just trying to, uh, he kind of, he plays both sides of the coin. Like everything he said since he's left Kansas City. One day he'll talk about how much he loves Pat and Andy. And then the next day he's talking about how he didn't get the ball enough. I think he just plays the media game a little bit. Odell Beckham Jr. has been so weird because he started his career in New York City and he started his career with such a bang that he has been sort of this media 
lightning rod his entire career. And I think some of it is earned and I think some of it's unfair. I think a lot of it, like the antics, whether it be on the sideline, you know, where he's kicking a net or throwing a helmet or doing weird touchdown celebrations. Like when you play in New York city and you're doing these things, they're, the attention's already on you. And now you're just adding to it. The other stuff like, yeah, I don't know. Like, wasn't it when he was in Cleveland, his dad releasing a video on Twitter of all of the times that, <laughs> that, that, that Baker Mayfield missed him when he was wide open and he didn't. Are go you kidding? Him. I think that was what ultimately led to his demise. Now, I don't need that off-field distraction. But Kayla, is there any coach in the NFL who's better at handling egos than Andy Reid? I mean, True. dude, he made Tyree Kill work for six years. Six years. And you're talking about winning a Super Bowl, Tyree Kill playing at an all-pro level. Andy Reid did it with Terrell Owens. Like, Andy Reid went to the Super Bowl with T.O., is there a bigger locker room distraction in the history of the NFL than T.O.? <laughs> Andy Reid has not been shy about that because you know what he does from day one? He lets you know how it's going to be. And when you have the cachet that the Chiefs have now, the Chiefs aren't just like some team chasing a ring. They're not the Bills. They're not the Dolphins. They're not like, hey, look at how good our team is. Do you want to be a part of this? Hey, do you want to come be a part of our team? Because we feel like you're the piece that can put us over the top. That's not the pitch from the Chiefs. You don't have to do that when you got two Lombardis. You say, hey, this is what we do. It's not about us fitting you into our system. It's about you fitting into our system. Do you want to do that? If so, these are what I'm going to need from you. If you can't do this, then we don't need you. That's the, that's the trump card that you have when you're Andy Reid and Brett Veach. I, I, th I don't really worry about it. I think the locker room is so good that it can't be disrupted by one guy. I under I, I agree with you. Like, this is a really nice ecosystem and I don't want to mess it up. But if you truly believe in the strength of your locker room culture, then you should be able to handle one guy who may have a bit of a history or a track record of that kind of stuff. I feel like playing under Andy Reid is like going to a a camp for troubled youth. <laughs> Not that our players are troubled, but these players just have so much respect for him. And he has a way of just commanding their respect. And yeah, like you said, he can change people. So that's a good point. I will no longer worry about that. If Odell does. Okay. Easy. So I got you on board. There we go. <laughs> <laughs>